Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're in the world, we love you, we care about you. Hello from Bricktown. How you doing? Hey, Dad. Good. So how are things going with you? How are you feeling? How's your health? It's actually pretty good. I had my uh, shot last week. Did you have any reactions from the shot? No, not none at all. I, and I... Second one, I guess, uh, in about two weeks. Uh, well, a lot of people are talking about this this Hank Aaron, and because okay. uh, you know he got the shot. I don't think it has anything to do with him dying. He just was old, like me. <laughs> well, he's a little older than you. You you a young pup compared to Hank Aaron. That's true. <laughs> So, for the listeners, you want to dispel the myth that uh, Hank Aaron's death had something to do with the shot. No, it didn't have anything to do with the shot. He just was old. He just got old. Anything caused it. Do you you remember Hank Aaron uh, playing baseball? Yes, I do. I I, I used to root for him because those, those Milwaukee teams... Uh, had had a lot of had a couple black guys playing for him, and they, they had funny looking uniforms. And uh, I used to root for him. Uh, and, and he had really an odd career. When you think about it, they didn't. Re- most people did not realize he was going to break Babe Babe Ruth's record until he had just about broken it. Because he never 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 hit more than 47 home runs in any one season. But during that period of time, it was always Willie Mays was doing it, Mickey Mantle was doing it, uh, Roger Maris. They were hitting, you know, 50, 50 regularly. But he never got hit over 47. Most of the time, he hit about 40. He just kept on going. He did it for a lot, a lot you know, like 20-something years. But uh, those guys were, you know, they had, as I said, they had fun with the uniforms. And... Sounds like you've you've made him some money over this <laughs> Not really. I never like Krispy Kreme donuts. I have them occasionally, but that's about it. But uh, in fact, after he bought it, it it basically almost went under. But he was a big stockholder in Krispy Kreme donuts. But he was uh, a great man, and he'll be missed. Now, did you attend any baseball games? I think I went to one or two with the YMCA. I went to a Yankee game, in fact. We were sitting out in the, out in the uh, center field, and it was hot. And one of, the, one of our, you know, handlers, I guess, uh, one of the guys that was uh, actually... Uh, I was just a kid. 
his cousin actually played for one of those one of those te- one of those teams. I would say Yankees. And his cousin played for them, and he he was he waved at us. They were waving at each other, but he was a pitcher. I think. And then, uh, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead there. Well, basically, that was, that was, I think we went to two baseball games. Uh, we, 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 we would go to, as, as, as a youngster, my, my mother would always make sure I was a member of the Y, and they'd go on trips, take, taking, you know, city kids on, to places, trips. I remember I went on a trip to uh, New England. We had lobster, and I couldn't. I, I I didn't like it, frankly. I like, like lobster now, but uh, we we you know we we were a bus or we we took a, a carry bus, and uh, on the way back it broke down, and we used to always talk about how the carry bus would not carry us. <laughs> and that was the name of the, it was the bus company was the season carry. Remember we 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 were at a, a hotel in uh, I want to say Boston, and I remember I, I, we 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 were eating breakfast there, and I remember the butter was so good. They they had they served compound butter. I'd never had that before. Mm-hmm. And I, I was I was horsing around, and I, on that trip, and I and I, I banged my right eye against. Uh, part of a, a desk and it, it, it affected my visions for the rest of my life because uh, I have what's called monocular vision so my left eye is is 2010 the right eye is 20 like like 40 or 50 so I, I actually read out of one eye and see otherwise out of the other eye monocular vision so it's uh, kind of different, but uh, and it was probably the reason that I thought about being an, an Air Force pilot until then. I don't, I don't have the eyes for it. That that would have made a very big difference. Uh, but uh, the YMCA at that time, as I said, the Jamaica YMCA is when we went to. Uh, it provided black kids a chance to go and visit other places and do things and it was really beneficial to me. Do you think that's why years later you kind of paid it forward and did that with the 4-H work in Greensboro? No question. I enjoyed working with kids because people worked with me when I was a kid. I was kind of an unruly kid and didn't know any better. Uh, I had a lot of opportunities. My mother particularly always pushed me forward to do things and do things that were different. So while I was a member of the Y, nobody I knew outside of me was a member of the Y. It wasn't that far and far from the Y to Jamaica to where from where we were in Bricktown. But uh, actually my brother Rodney never was a member of the Y that I know of. Uh, but my brother said, we can, we, you, you need to be special. And she pushed me the whole time in my life. That's why I went to private schools when nobody else was. 
because when I was at PS116, I think is what it was, uh, or PS38, one of the other ones, one of the public schools in PS in New York City. But I had a, I averaged about 38 out of 100 on my one of my report cards, and because uh, it was it was due to baby boom, and we had, I was in eight. 18, I think it was. It was uh, 7, 18, 7th grade. In the 8th grade, uh, the art teacher, Mrs. Coulson, I never forgot her. She said to my mother, she said, when he reads, he's the most peaceful kid going. You need to get him get him an encyclopedia. And I don't know if I've said this before, but, but she got me the Book of Knowledge, which is like 18 volumes. And I read all of them in about 30 days for, for Christmas. And I was tested that year. And I was in the seventh grade, and I was uh, testing at second year college for reading. But the Book of Knowledge had a big advertisement going on at that time. It was Grullier, um, a publisher. And they were saying that their, their commercial was, why is the sky blue? Buy, the, buy this encyclopedia, you know why it's blue. So let's let's, let's pause right let's pause right there, but I want to analyze that for a second. Now you said you had you were first testing a thirty-eight out of a hundred. That's correct. And then you tested on the eleventh grade. What what and you're saying? What was the difference? Well, after Christmas, when I, my mother got this twenty volumes of the Book of Knowledge, I read all of them in about a month. So it was really reading yes. that made that transition. She had said to me, Mrs. Coulson said, when he reads, he doesn't cut up. He's really very peaceful. And I read. And when he gave me a test, I, was, I knew all that stuff. And I, I was, it was the most, it was the most influential thing probably my entire life. That if that had not happened, I'm not sure where, where I'd be or where you'd be. Uh, it was it was really a game changer. I never thought about it until much later. How much of a game changer it was. But we we had so many kids at that point in time. Like right now, New York City's closing schools. But we were in the midst of a baby boom. Because I remember I was born in 1945 at the end of World War II. So it was a baby boom, and there was more kids than there was classrooms. So I ended up going, to, uh, like I remember my eighth grade, the art teacher was, was uh, number three. So instead of me being, and she liked the way I read, so instead of me being an eight, twelve or something, I was an eight, three. And, but even though I never only saw her during that, that as I said, during the art class, but Mrs. Coaster's really the only teacher I really remember. She took, took, took a shine to me and and really helped me. Never forgot that. And all my life, there's always been somebody like that who just said, he's special, let's try to help him. And all my life, I've tried to do the same thing. When I saw somebody who really was able to move on, I tried to say, let me try to help him. And if you do that and you pay it forward, it kind of works. Most of those people I've helped have done well. And years later, they, they've come back and said, it was because of you who did that. So 
So it, it's been one of those you know kinds of things that if you pay it forward, then it kind of works. And in our society, you have to have a, like, a, like they're called in some societies, have a rabbi who can guide you through these things. And like I said, Mrs. Kosin, she was Jewish, and she was, I never forgot her. I remember almost none of my other teachers from that, that period. I remember I had a teacher in the fourth grade named Mrs. Hedges. And she was a nasty black lady, frankly. Uh, but she, she had been the teacher to both my sisters in earlier times. I won't say it was the fourth grade. But she was a nasty lady, God. Okay. Those, those you kind, you kind, of, <laughs> kind of sound a little bit like Trump there, Dad. Well, she was. So listen, your two memories are two extremes. It seems like one really great teacher yeah. and another one uh, that was not as great. I thought she was terrible. And the difference is, remember, Miss Koshin was Jewish and white and Miss Hedges was black. And boy, she's the only issue I remember we were at PS 116. She's the only one I remember. They're still really in two different schools at two different points in my life. And um, they were about four years apart. But those are the only two teachers I remember from elementary school. And I, I, I did so well after that. My mother said, well, if you're doing so poorly, let's put you in a private school. So I went to an Episcopalian school for the rest of my rest of those, those next two or three years, and then I finished up at Brooklyn Academy in my last two years, which was a Jewish private school in Brooklyn. And I had to catch two buses and two trains to get there. But, you know, uh, and there was about 80 kids in my graduation class, and there's only like about eight or nine black kids in the whole school. A lot of mafia kids were there, Italians. And, uh, <laughs> They, uh, you know, it was, was, was anything that was bad as, as far as being a black person. They are a black kid. But you we know, had, we had to struggle to eat. And eat. My father, I, I kind of said, I just tell my father, you know, he had to work a little extra so I could give, give, give a check for 75 or 80 bucks so I could, I could pay my tuition. And I had, I had, I got five bucks to pay for my lunch for the whole week, which lasted about two days. And then I would just walk along the, the Long Island Railroad tracks in the station there up in Brooklyn Academy and get a franc for, for lunch. That would be it. Uh, but you know, it was we had a we only had a very few black kids. Maybe so, eight so, or nine of us out of about whole school only had two hundred kids. But it was uh, and I played for the basketball team. I wasn't very good. And I, mean, I started a track team. I was even worse. When I look back on it. <laughs> Hold on, man. You telling me Grandpa gave you five dollars for lunch for the week, which was enough for Actually, two days. My mother would give it to me. Okay. But he would write a check out on Fridays usually, and I would take that and, and give it to those people as part of my, my, my tuition. We didn't finish paying for my, my, my tuition. I left my senior year at Brooklyn Academy until the week before graduation. He would work extra to make sure he could pay for it. I never forgot that. 
And that's why I've always, and as much as you boys didn't really realize it, but I always, you know, tried to make sure you had enough money to do what you needed to do. So you always would, you guys would always ask for more, but I gave you what I had. And I never scrimped on that, and I never said well, you shouldn't do it. But uh, you know, as we look back on life, you know, I, I, they paid forward for me. Uh, I, I went to a Episcopalian school for a while, a couple, a couple grades, and then we went to, uh, like I said, Rocky went to a couple years of that, and he finished at a public high school, but it was in a different neighborhood, so uh, it was different than ours, because I was in the, the uh, service area of St. Albans, which was Andrew Jackson High School, and he went somewhere else, of course, it was in Queens. But people don't realize how big the borough of Queens is, which is Queens County. Now, New York City has five counties, and each of those counties is called a borough. But Queens, Queens, Queens County has as many people as North Carolina has now. And uh, that was just one of five. It wasn't even the most populous county. I mean, the size of New York City is just so... Gargantuan. We lived actually out in the suburbs, either in Bricktown or in St. Albans. They had my, my parents had scraped together and worked all kinds of shifts, so we were away from the Harlem stuff and the big city stuff, the, the, the stuff that was uh, ghettos of New York City. We were always in a, what, I, what I would now look back and say a blockbuster kind of kind of county where we would be among the first first few blacks in that county or on that street. So it, it was it was uh, very different. But I would catch, you know, as I said, two buses and two trains. And these things, of course, you don't know that, but it was uh, very different. But, uh, you know, it was... Uh, it was an experience that I, I never forgot. And I always Joe, valued education from that point on. <clears throat> Joe Biden recently uh, is making a statement about housing, race, and how important it is to own a home. Yes. And my parents own, own two different homes. Uh, and they sold them both at first times to move on to the next one which was the property here in, right across the street from where I'm at now in North Carolina. So it was very, very different. My father worked all kinds of hours. He was a mechanic, and he kept, he worked in the cement plant, Bacconi Brothers. And he, he, he never, he, he learned how to read. Coming out of Kansas, South Carolina, he didn't know how to read. He learned how to read because my mother taught him, basically, and he uh, would read the da- New York Daily News. Uh, but he actually became a very educated man. He was self-educated. And he was very proud of me going to get my doctorate and everything else. He always believed in that. And the education thing my mother kind of pushed on us. We had, we, had we had to do that. We had to be among the best. So, but basically, my two sisters, 
they just want him to get out and get, get, get basically get married. Versus me and my brother had to go into college. That was just something we had to do. And we did that. So basically, of the four of my, my siblings, uh, only me and Rodney actually, had, actually got a college degree. My two older sisters, they did, that never got past about the eighth or ninth grade. She kind of dropped out when she was 16. And Carol, Carol never got past uh, high school. She worked hard. She had to catch three buses to get out, get out of Jamaica High School because we moved out of their district. So she had to catch, catch buses for about two hours to get to Jamaica High School. And because they were, they were going to let her graduate. She graduated, and then she got a job in the city. And she spent the next 30 years working for the city as the Board of Education. So this this was during the time, and I don't think I've ever talked about it very much, but it was a very formative kind of case, age. And if you look at those two those two buildings, the one in Bricktown and the one in St. Albans, those were wonderful neighborhoods to live in. They weren't at that time very much uh, very much crime or I didn't realize how segregated Bricktown was because it was all black. Um, but it was a community of just brick houses. And uh, we had a good time. But we didn't have a lot of crime, a lot, not a lot of drugs at that time. And looking back on it, we actually had a good time. And there were some black entrepreneurs there that had black businesses. You're saying grandma and grandpa didn't really encourage the girls to go to college. That's correct. But fast forward, how did you raise your family? Uh, I can say that I'm one of the few people who has had, has, has had a his daughter actually in one of his in one of his college classes. I mean, Heather was a student of mine, as was, as was Bobby. And they both did very well. And I got to see a different side of Heather. And I have, I've even encouraged her lately. She needs to go back to graduate school. She kind of scoffs at that. But anyway, she should. Because she's a very bright student. She is. So, do you remember Miss Thorpe? As you were talking about your formative teachers, I was thinking about Miss Thorpe. I remember Miss Thorpe. Her husband was a good friend of mine. She was a great teacher, by the way. She was one of the better ones. And I think she taught in kindergarten. And she was very, very good at that. One of the she, best, best I've ever heard of. She, she, she was my teacher. teacher. She was your teacher, and she was Bobby's teacher too. Yeah. In fact, we actually moved. I remember we moved to make sure she was that that you were in her class. But she was very good. My husband has just passed away, unfortunately, recently, a couple of years ago. But he was on the city council in Chapel Hill a couple of different times. And then he was off for about about 15 years. He came back and got elected again. But Bill Thorpe was a, a close friend of mine. We had, we had all kinds of, of schemes and stuff to, to get him elected a couple of times. He was about the only black on that city council in Chapel Hill. 
Howard Lee was there earlier, and he was the mayor of Apple Hill. And Howard was a remarkable guy. Looking back on it, because he became one of the first black secretaries of, of an agency in North Carolina. Uh, Howard was a, a great leader. I was very jealous of him, frankly, because he was just, just ahead of me. And uh, we we got along. We actually were in the same same fraternity. He's a five eight sigma also. We didn't really appreciate Doug Brothers did not really appreciate him very much because he was really a different place. We really didn't understand that. And that you know, when you're in certain of these positions, like after I became mayor, I began to understand that that you're in a different circle that you're going into, and almost none of your friends are in those same circles. They don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. So very few of my friends, as I became mayor, stayed my friends, very few of them. Jack Harris was one of them who did, and we were in the same fraternity also. And of course, Neil was a friend of mine, and we just met in the oddest way. That Neil, and he's still a friend of mine. Uh, Neil, Daisy, his wife, uh, and your mother were always good buddies because the kids were about the same age. That's how we got, we met, me and Neil. And uh, Neil's been a friend since that time. That's been probably as old as you are. Because his two boys and I, my two boys were always together. Often I'd have, when I was, you know, forced, I'd have, you know, we'd have four the four boys together. It'd be you and Pat, and Neil and, and Bobby. And when we had four, four, if we had three of you all together, it was fine. When it got to be four, the two younger ones and the two older ones would always have have at each, each other's. <laughs> Which is, I always, to this day, I still think that was the oddest thing I've ever seen ever seen but uh, you know it was it was a lot of fun I remember coaching you know little Neil which was about six foot six uh, and Bobby in basketball and I remember one, one year after I got after I got out of being mayor I decided I'd coach in that in the little kiddies kiddies league and I was Bobby and Neil's Neil's uh, coach and the funny thing about that Another guy, was a black guy who had been winning the thing every year, beating everybody, and I, we beat them consistently. <laughs> <laughs> Probably don't remember that. He was Firebirds or something, and but we would beat them. And you played played very well. Bobby played very well. Uh, Bobby was at, at an after school program, had a little a little basketball goal, and he would practice that every day. So they they were they, they were they were able to shut Neil down, but Bobby hit 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 about four or five shots with that same shot, goofy shot he had been shooting from the foul line. <laughs> and what's the name? That <laughs> that kid said. They said that they would just not expect that. But the coach was telling me that. <laughs> oh, you said goofy shot. Yeah. Oh man. 
Listen, uh, we're, we're at about 30 minutes, and, and listeners are enjoying this show, Dad. What's your message kind of closing out? Well, we're going, uh, uh, we, yeah, I got my COVID first shot, uh, and I'll, I'll tell everybody, get your, particularly people who call it, get your, get this shot. It's not, it's not the Tuskegee experiment. Get your shot. This thing is serious. It's well, aren't you going to a, to a conference though, there? Yes, I'm a wet, I'm a wet mask, and everybody else. Oh, you, you're telling people how serious this is. And you going to another state to go to a conference? Well, the, the other state is only like like an hour and a half away. In South Carolina, it's not that far. And you know, we'll all wear masks, and hopefully, it's, it'll work out. But I, I spend a lot of time, you know, trying to wear. I bring a lot of shields. And I'm glad that you're alive. I praise God that you're alive. It's been a tough year, and I'm just every, glad that everybody. you're alive. You've done you've done good so far. You've been very disciplined, and I'm just praying that you you reconsider your travel plans until the second shot, two weeks after the second shot, when you'll be fully inoculated. We'll we'll both be praying. We will. But anyway, adios, muchachos, guys, and be safe out there. I love you, man. Okay.